This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, we are looking at critical race theory and teacher preparation. Now, a question for you. What are the filters that keep students of color from entering and successfully completing teacher preparation programs? What practices used in teacher preparation programs restrict some and advantage others This is the first in a series of podcasts using critical race theory to critically examine teacher preparation. Now, let's start with a definition of critical race theory. First, a theory is a way to explain a set of facts. It explains phenomena by connecting the data dots to form a picture. Different theories connect different data dots differently. Critical race theory is one such theory used to explain and understand the phenomenon known as systemic racism. Critical race theory invites us to critically examine our policies, practices, assessments, curriculum, courses, pedagogy, and traditions, as well as teacher preparation programs. Now, described here are seven common understandings of critical race theory. The first one is racism is normal. It's so ingrained in our societal consciousness that most don't see it. However, our brains see racism in the form of implicit bias. As well, our policies, programs, laws, and procedures do. This is systemic racism, and it exists within many teacher education programs. For change to occur, we must expose systemic racism, as well as that which maintains and perpetuates it. Number two, change occurs only when it aligns with the interests of those in power. In other words, advances for people of color will occur only when it coincides with changing economic conditions and the self-interests of elite whites. The current protests will only be successful when it hits the pocketbooks of those in power, or when it threatens the political power of those in power. The hard questions to ask are, who stands to gain in the current teacher preparation system? Or simply, who's making the money? Who's getting the resources? And who is using teacher preparation as a pinata to get elected to office? Number three, the third big idea, critical race theory. Number three, race is a social construct. As such, it has no basis in biology. It is an arbitrary category based on physical appearance that society has created based around the idea of a mythical white norm. These categories then, arbitrary categories, become used as a sorting mechanism. The sorting has both material and psychological impacts on people, creating winners and losers. Big idea number four, no person has a single entity. Instead, there is an intersectionality between race and other marginalized groups. These other groups are based on gender, ability, sexual orientation, class, social economic status, religion, and culture. Understanding oppression and marginalization in one group enables greater understanding of all marginalized groups. Number five, 
all people in a category do not think and act the same. Physical characteristics referred to by racial terms are not an indication of deeper underlying commonalities or shared traits. This is the idea of non-essentialism. One famous black person does not speak for all black people. All people's experiences are different. One person of color should not be asked to be the spokesperson or to try to explain systemic racism. Number six, the stories of people must be heard. Hearing and honor the perceptions and experiences of real people is essential in making progress towards social justice and racial equity. However, in education, people's voices are muted in two significant ways. The first occurs through the over-reliance on controlled experimental research studies to establish cause and effect relationships. The federal government has gone so far as determined that this type of research, known as the gold standard, is the only legitimate way of knowing, thereby delegitimizing other forms of scholarship. The result is a distorted picture of the very reality it seeks to portray. For example, a controlled experimental study may demonstrate that certain practice is effective, but it does not tell you for whom, how, under what circumstances, for what purpose, for how long, and to what degree. This points to the importance of recognizing qualitative research as legitimate and valued forms of knowing, as well as controlled experimental studies. Types of qualitative research include surveys, interviews, observations, ethnographies, grounded theory research, case studies, and historical research methods. These should all be used to fully understand human phenomena. All quantitative data must be considered in their broader context. The second way of disallowing the voices of marginalized groups in education is through disremembering and misremembering history. Here, history is described only through the lens of the privileged majority. The histories of marginalized groups are misremembered using cartoonish configurations, distortions, omissions, and blatant misrepresentation. Books that illustrate a more complete understanding, a more complete remembering, include books such as An African-American and Latinx History of the United States by Ortiz, An Indigenous People's History of the United States by Dunbar Ortiz, and Cast the Origins of Our Disconsent by Wilkerson. Books like these describe a decidedly different version of U.S. history than the McGraw-Hill version of reality provided in most K-12 curriculums. Here, the atrocities of slavery, the greed of colonialism, the avarice of imperialism, and the wanton genocide of indigenous peoples are fully portrayed. Number seven, cultural parochialism and white superiority are factors in maintaining systemic racism. A belief that one's own culture is the correct one to be used as a standard of comparison is called cultural parochialism. Here, 
practices, customs, lifestyles, traditions, views, and values that do not align with the dominant white culture are deemed to be defective, deviant, or inferior. Thus, right and wrong, good and bad, normal and abnormal are all determined by the majority white culture. This is white superiority. This happens in education. I'll be pointing that out in the next podcast. All right, the seven big ideas related to critical race theory. Number one, racism is normal. Number two, change occurs only when it aligns with the interests of those in power. Number three, race is a social construct. Number four, no person has a single identity. Number five, all people in a category do not think and act the same. Number six, the stories of people must be heard to understand. And number seven, cultural parochialism and white superiority are factors in maintaining systemic racism. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. This is the first in a podcast, series of podcasts, looking at teacher preparation.